Bibles out to Genesis chapter number 46. Genesis chapter number 46. And while you're turning there, I'm going to tell you a funny uh, of how the Lord keeps us on our toes. Uh, usually I put my notes, I have to scribble notes on my iPad. And uh, it's just something I can sit in bed and I can make notes without, uh, without having to turn a lamp on. And so I keep my notes there uh, on my iPad. I have my notes for my message this morning <clears throat> on my iPad. And I had a first because I woke up and realized that I had forgotten to charge my outline. And uh, so my outline was dead this morning, and uh, we were going to have to wing it, uh, but we decided we did not have that much faith, so we had to go the old-fashioned way and just print it out on paper. And so the devil's been after us early this morning. He tried to get my spirit riled before I ever got here uh, because my outline was not charged, uh, but we're going to make sure God gets the victory today, and I didn't let him get it over on me. You don't let him get it over on you, and you go ahead and resolve that you're going to allow the will of God to be done in your life today through his word, because I assure you this. God knows what you need, and God's going to give us what we need. Whether it's something I say or something I don't say, the Holy Spirit's going to say exactly what needs to be said, and that's what I love about the Holy Spirit. Uh, me and Brother LaPone were talking the other day, and sometimes a preacher, you feel like you just throw it up against the wall and see, hope something sticks, and the good thing about it is the Holy Spirit's working even when we mess it up. And so if you don't get what you're supposed to get out of the message today, you can't blame it on me, because uh, the Holy Spirit's going to give you what you need to have, and he's given me what I need to have. As a matter of fact, I've already preached this once today to the 9 o'clock service, and they didn't throw rocks at me, so I hope that you're going to be just as cordial as they were and receive what God has for us today, because we need it. Our world needs the church right now. Our world needs the church, and it needs the church to be the church, the real church. And we're going to look this morning at what God would have us to have and who God would have us to be as we venture into this new territory. Genesis 46, remain seated if you don't mind. We're just going to pick up in verse number one. Backstory, what's going on here, uh, Jacob has learned about uh, his son Joseph being alive. And uh, I said I wasn't going to say the early service, so I was talking to someone earlier today, and uh, I told them, can you imagine explaining that to your parents? We've all had to explain things to our parents. Now, I know most of you are probably good kids, but you do have a sin nature, whether you want to admit it or not, and you did make a mistake from time to time. And uh, you probably had to explain yourself out of a mistake you made. And I did that many times. I don't know how many times. Uh, there was a time my brother wanted to learn how to drive, and I thought, because I was 16 years old, I had the wisdom to allow my brother to learn how to drive under my tutelage. I was such a great teacher that I could teach him to drive. It was a stick shift, 86 Ford F-150. We were up on some family property away from the house. I said, hey, now's a good time for you to learn how to drive. And uh, so I decided because of my teaching skills being so great that I would teach him to drive by start going backwards in a stick shift. I had bad judgment back then. I've repented of that since then, and my wife has given me good judgment. But uh, not only am I teaching him to drive by backing up, I'm teaching him to back up through a gate, Okay. And I taught him how to clutch, let off the clutch, match the gas, how to put it in gear, and how to get it through. I mean, I told him everything but to close the door on the truck. He said, well, why is that important? Well, because when you're backing through a gate, there's posts on both sides, and the truck would fit through the gate with the doors closed, but not with the doors open. And so I'm back there, come on, come on, come on, waving him back, just come on back, and you hear this awful sound. It's awful when you hear a truck door bent around to the front fender. So my brother and I are standing there trying to figure out, how do we fix this? You know, we're, we're resourceful young men. We're Americans, not Americans. And I said, we can figure this out. And so we're sitting there trying to just push the door around, and uh, it, it's bad. It's bad. We're not mechanics. We didn't have any bondo or a hammer, and uh, it, was, it looked bad. So finally, we, we rode home holding the door shut because it kept wanting to spring back around front. You know, now I think people pay for doors like that. But uh, this was a custom job that my brother and I did on my dad's truck. So we get home, and we pull it to where the passenger side is facing the house. My mama didn't raise no dummy. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to postpone the judgment as long as possible. And lo and behold, dads just seem to have that sixth sense. I, I've started to get it now that I have a teenager. And dad just comes out and gravitates around to that side of the truck. I don't know what it is. He just gravitated around there. And he says, what happened? And I'm trying to come up with something good. You know, terrorists come out of the bushes and we're trying to get away. And they saw the American flag on our car and they're just, you know, all of that. And finally, I just had to tell him... Zach did it. <laughs> Zach did it. 
Because he did. I, was, I said, Dad, I was nowhere. I wasn't even in the truck. Zach did it. No, I told him the truth, what happened. And uh, the punishment was not a spanking. We didn't get a spanking for that. The punishment was that became my truck, and I had to drive around with the dented up door for a long time. But I had to explain my way out of that or through that. Can you imagine explaining to your dad that the brother you said was dead is not dead? And not only is he not dead, he's alive, and he's commander over in Egypt And uh, he wants to have you come back to Egypt with him and live out the famine there. Talk about a flood of emotions. I think it'll be a flood of emotions as you went through that. And so now Jacob has, the Bible says in verse number 1 of Genesis 46, and Israel took his journey with all that he had. He loaded up everything, and they're on their way to see Joseph in Egypt. Now, they're leaving Canaan on their way to Egypt. That bears mentioning. Notice what the Bible says. And Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices unto the God of his father Isaac. And God spake unto Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob, and he says, here am I. And he says, I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation. Notice those words, for I will there make of thee a great nation. I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will also surely bring thee up again, and Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. This morning, I want you to see something very important. I want you to try to use your imagination. Some of you, you might have to just dust the rust off a little bit of your imagination. For me, I'm only 40, and my imagination is still very, very active. It works very well. Uh, But I want you to try to imagine this journey that Jacob is on. Imagine when he gets the news, Joseph is alive, he's elated, he is now on his way to see Joseph, and he leaves Hebron, he's on his way south into Canaan, and he's getting closer and closer to the border, if you will, of Egypt. The last outpost there on the southern border of Canaan is Beersheba. Notice the Bible says in verse 1 that they had come to Beersheba. Beersheba was a place that was closely associated with the family of Jacob. His grandfather, Abraham, while he was there, planted a grove of trees there, uh, tamarisk trees, salt cedar trees there, as a memorial of God's faithfulness to keep his promise. God promised Abraham that he would provide a country, that he would provide him a son, and when Abraham stood there in that place holding his son Isaac, he planted those trees there as a memorial. There's a well there. And so here comes uh, Jacob to the place where his grandfather spent some time, where his grandfather received the promise from God. His father Isaac had been to this place as well. It was a pivotal place in the history of their family, and now Jacob arrives at this very familiar place. I can imagine the first part of the journey was lighthearted. Uh, when you get ready to go on vacation, you're excited, you know, we're on the way to vacation, doesn't matter what happens, you're on your way and you're excited about where you're going. But as they get to Beersheba, I believe Jacob's heart began to quiver a little bit. So why do you think that? Well, the Bible says when God spoke to him, if you look down uh, into verse number three, the Bible told him, uh, God told him, fear not. Now, why is his heart beginning to quake just a little bit as he gets to Beersheba? Why this place? I mean, he's going to see Joseph. He should be excited. And I'm sure there's a part of his heart that is very excited. He's going to see his son. But as he comes to Beersheba, he stops. Something is about to happen here. Something's going on in the heart of Jacob. And there's something that he needs to get in touch with God about. And let me explain to you what's going on. Beersheba is the last outpost in the land of God's people before you go into Egypt. For all of his life, not all of his life, but for most of his life, Jacob has been in the promised land. Jacob's been in the land that God's provided. He's been in the land of, uh, of the promises of God. And now he has turned his back on that, and every step he takes is away from the promises, and he's inching closer to the land of Egypt. He's leaving what he loves, he's leaving what he knows, he's leaving what's familiar to go into something that is foreign and something that is pagan. And when he stops here at Beersheba, at this place, it's kind of the last few steps in what he knows. It's kind of the last few steps in what is familiar. It's the border of what he is comfortable with, and now he's about to go to a place that he probably would never want to go on his own, but this is where God is leading him to go. Now, here's what I want you to think about this morning. I want you to think about America. For all of my life, the country that I have dwelled in has been a land of promise. 
lived in a very prosperous land, a God-provided land. And if you don't believe that this country was provided by God, then you don't know your American history because God has given us this wonderful country that we're living in. And we've lived in a land of plenty. We've lived in a land of blessing. We've lived in this land of promise. But I fear today that a majority of our promises and blessings in the hand of God, as with Jacob, is now behind us. Now, you know me, I'm an optimist, all right? I'm, the glass is always half full, if not three-quarters of the way full, but I fear we are on a journey to where a majority of that is now behind us, and the country that is now before us is a frightening country that we're about to enter into. We're looking at a country that brings fear to our heart. In just six months, this country's been turned upside down. In a country that we used to know and that we're comfortable with, that we're familiar with, and that we love is almost a thing of the past. And now we're about to cross the border into a country that is unhospitable to us. And I believe we've come to a Beersheba. We've come to this place where we have an opportunity to stop off and get something from God that we're going to need as we move forward. Now, if you could ask Jacob, Jacob, would you want to live in Egypt? I assure you, Jacob would tell you, I don't want to live in Egypt. Why would you want to leave the land of plenty to go in the cesspool of Egypt? And Egypt's always a place, when you're reading the Word of God, that you go down to. It's not somewhere you go up to, you go down to Egypt. It's not somewhere you'd want to live as the people of God. And Jacob's heart is quivering about the new country he's about to go live in, as my heart is. You know me, I'm an optimist. I look at the news and I watch what's going on in our world in just the past six months. I mean, the only thing we haven't had is a plague of flies. And I saw one in the living room this morning and I thought, well, here we go. I mean, frogs, as long as they're bullfrogs, we can cut the legs off of them. I wouldn't, have, wouldn't mind a, a plague of frogs, but, you know, not those old toad frogs that give you warts. I mean, it's just one thing after another. And we're leaving behind the land of plenty. I did tell the early service, I love watching Andy Griffith's show and watch Bonanza the other day. And I told my wife, oh, I wish I could go back there and live in that country where you can leave your doors unlocked, you know? I have three locks on every door in my house. I don't leave the doors unlocked, the windows unlocked, uh, and it's just a scary world we're living in. But that's the country we're about to enter into. And yet this was a country that God was going to lead Jacob through. And this morning I want you to see what God had prepared for Jacob was resolve. Jacob needed resolve. God was leading him this direction. He would not have chosen this direction, but this is God's decision for him, and he's leading him into this new country away from all that he's ever known, and God wants him to go into it with a resolve. And this morning, can I tell you what God wants for his people? God does not want his people that are representing him at this day, in this hour, in the history of the world to be running around like Chicken Little where the, uh, where the, the sky is falling. God wants his people to hold their head high. And rather than be frightful, to be faithful. Rather than we be bitter, why don't we be bold, hold our head high, and look forward as our God leads us through this difficult time. Because it appears there's no turning back. We're about to enter a country that none of us really want to live in, but there's something God wants us to carry with us, and that's resolve. And so this morning, I want to look at the subject of a resolved heart for the road ahead. A resolved heart for the road ahead. We're about to get to the end of the pavement. And we're about to hit a rocky, rough road that none of us would want to ride upon. It's not going to be an easy ride. But God is leading us in this direction, and we must have resolve. And I assure you this, you're not going to make it without it. As a child of God, you will not make it down this bumpy road and to this foreign country that we're about to move into. You're not going to make it without spiritual resolve. Look, I know we're resolved about everything else. We're resolved about our football teams. We're resolved about where we stand here and where we stand there. We talked about that last week. But are you spiritually resolved? That's the only way you're going to survive this. And God's about to give Jacob the resolve that he needs. And we're going to follow Jacob and look at two or three things as God prepares his heart. Look at verse 1. The Bible says as he took his journey with all that he had, the Bible says he came to Beersheba. Now, what does it say next? The Bible says, and offered sacrifices unto the God of his father. Now, it's very important to notice what he did as soon as he got there. As Jacob inches closer to this foreign country that he's about to enter into, his heart begins to quiver. It's a frightening place. You can lose your children in Egypt. 
Oh, the Egypt's always a picture of the world. You can lose your children there. What could happen? The influence is there in Egypt. And as he gets to this border country of Beersheba, his heart begins to quake. And he's, he's scared, as I'm sure we are. And the Bible says that he offered sacrifices. Now, you need to understand what's going on here. When he came to this place of uncertainty, how do you know he was uncertain? Because he stopped and God said, fear not. God could peer into his heart. Can I tell you, God can look into every heart that's here this morning. And God can see how we feel. And I think we'd all be lying if we said that we were not worried and we were not a little bit timid about the new country we're living in. I mean, I I hate having to park an extra car in my carport so to pierce somebody's home when I'm not there because I'm worried about my wife and daughter being saved. It's just a crazy world we're living in. But that's the world we're living in. And God knows that. And God looks into the heart of his children and he does not want you to be fearful. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Of power. God wants us to have resolve right now. And as we enter into this time, notice what Jacob did. The Bible says he offered a sacrifice unto God. What is he doing? In his time of fear and uncertainty, he reaches out to God. He says, I got to get in touch with God. You know, it's a big step to cross over into this country. I don't know what's on the other side of the border. I don't know what's going to happen to my children. I don't know what the influences are going to be like. I don't know how to manage the country we're moving into. And so you know what? I'm going to park it right here, and I'm going to get in touch with God to see what we need to do. Number one, notice this. Resolve begins with reaching out to God. Resolve begins with reaching out to God. Listen, you want some resolve that's going to get you through this time. You're going to have to stop and reach out to God. I fear oftentimes that we as the people of God get a little bit lazy. Can we be honest and admit that? We get a little bit lazy. I do. I'm just to tell you something. You may fire me after I say this. I don't always feel like reading my Bible. I'd rather sit there and watch Bonanza and go to Ponderosa. Man, I'd love to go to Ponderosa right now, wouldn't you? Man, I just think you could sit there and I just love to go cut a tree down. Something manly about going and cutting a tree down. I'd love to go to the Ponderosa right now. Man, just go back and live in that world. I mean, I just would love to get away from all of that. But the place that we're at right now is an unhospitable place. It's a place I don't want to go in, but we're going in all the same. So I need to be prepared. I need to have resolve. And I need to have resolve by willing to not be spiritually lazy and reach out to God. That's what Jacob did. Sometimes I believe we get to the place where we want God to spoon feed us. My daughter, when she was a baby, she doesn't have, eat baby food anymore. Uh, she eats grilled cheeses, and that's about it. <clears throat> Call me a bad parent if you want, but uh, we pray over it before we give it to her, so I think it makes it okay. When she was a baby, I'd buy the baby food. I would scoop the baby food. I'd put the baby food up to her mouth, and all that she has to do is open her mouth. That's it. But for some odd reason, kids just have a tough time doing that. <laughs> They're going to get it everywhere but in their mouth. And you're sitting there, and mom's trying to stretch it out, and you know, and mom's trying to squeeze the cheeks, and you're trying to get the food over on the inside, and you're thinking, look, the least you can do is open your mouth. The least you can do is take what I've provided for you. And I want you to understand this. The resources for us as his people to be resolved during this time are available, but we've got to do our part. And our part as we go through all of this is to stop before we go any further and reach out to God for the resolve that we're going to need to move forward. As I read through my my Bible, I find so often that the people who garnered the resources of God were those people that were adventurous in their faith. Think about David. The reason David killed Goliath and his brothers didn't is because David was adventurous. He wanted to see what God could do. David says, you guys up here camping out, whining like a bunch of babies. I'm going to go down here and see what God would do. Remember when Jonathan wanted to go over to the garrison of the Philistines? He says, it may be that God would work for us. Hey, let's see what God would do. Folks, listen, instead of walking around moping with our lip dragging the ground, hey, why don't we have some spiritual resolve because we realize the God of heaven has the resources we need to get through what we're going through right now. What a terrible witness it is to name the name of God and to walk around just as frightful and fearful as the lost world we're living in. Listen, I'm not saying you got to be excited about it. I'm not excited about it. And I've taught my daughter how to use a gun lately and how to throat punch somebody and how to drop kick somebody. I think that's just good stuff for a teenage girl to know in general, to be honest with you. But especially all that's going on in the world. I mean, look, it's a, it's a scary world we're living in. But as a child of God, I can have resolve. Why? Because there's a God of heaven who knows exactly what's going on, and I've got his phone number. Isn't that great? I can get in touch with God. 
You think about Jeremiah 33, 3. The Bible says, call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things thou knowest not. That's my life's verse. It's not really my life's verse, but it ought to be. You know why? Because there's a lot of things I knowest not. Would you agree with me? All right, sometimes we don't know things. Some of the hardest words for a man to say is, I don't know, and I can't. Oh, it's hard to get those words out. My wife, can you build this? Absolutely. What is it? I'd tell her, yeah, before I even know what it is. Pinterest has gotten me in a lot of trouble. Uh, those people, we need to have a talk sometime. But folks, can I tell you, God's got the answers. But wait a minute. How do we get the answers to what we know it's not? He says, call unto me. He says, hey, you've got to do your part. And if we desire to have spiritual resolve, it begins with reaching out to God. I want to tell you something. You don't need to take another step on this journey toward the new country we're about to enter into without reaching out to God and getting you a belly full of spiritual resolve. You're going to need it. You're going to need it. Look, you know we're not just called to survive this time. We're supposed to be a witness during this time. We're supposed to be the ones with our head held high with a spiritual boldness about us leading the lost world through this to Christ. And yet we're just as scared as they are. Why? We don't have any resolve. Why? Because we're too lazy to reach out to God. I just think about Jacob. Jacob knew where the borders were. He knew that Beersheba was the last outpost of that promised land, that land of promise. And he says, I'm going to stop right here where my grandfather stopped and where my dad stopped, and I'm going to get in touch with God. You know, that's how I got saved. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, there's a lot of people waiting for God to save them, but the Bible says, whosoever shall call, we've got a part in reaching out to God. You've got to be willing to call out for what you don't have. From time to time, I'll be sitting on the couch, and I'll just feel lazy, and I'll want a cup of coffee. Just sometimes it hits you, you know, and you just got to have it. I don't care how late it is, and I'll call my daughter. I don't ask her to do much. My wife works her. I mean, she works her to death. She's taught her how to wash dishes and mop the floor and clean the bathrooms. I haven't taught her how to take out the garbage yet, but my wife has figured this thing out. I, I wish I had a boy. I really do. Brother Matthew, you're so blessed. You got boys to do the yard work and all of that stuff. And I'll say, Miley, would you mind getting Dad a cup of coffee? Yes, sir. And she goes in there, and believe it or not, she gets me the cup of coffee. Why? She loves me. But you know, where be, you know where it began? I reached out to her. And folks, we're going through a time right now. It's difficult. It's frightening. We're about to enter a new country. We're about to walk out of the country we know and we love into a country that's frightening. And God says, you better have some resolve. And you can have it, but you've got to reach out to me. Well, folks, God has the resolve we need this morning. But we've got to be willing to do what Jacob's doing. And Jacob says, you know what? I've got to get in touch with God for what we need. Now, notice what he did. The Bible says he offered sacrifice unto God. Now, here's what's interesting. What did he need? He needed resolve. He said, God, my heart's quaking. I'm going to a new country. I'm kind of worried. A lot of unknowns. I don't know what's ahead of me, and I'm, I'm kind of scared. God, I, I need resolve, but he didn't have resolve. But notice what he did have. He had something he could sacrifice in order to get the resolve. Understand this. What he needed would come at the expense of something else. What he needed was going to come at the expense of something else. Folks, we, we looked at Ananias and Sapphira the other day. Remember they had to undedicate from one thing in order to dedicate something else to God? Folks, God has what he needs, but right now our hands are full. And we're going to have to be willing to sacrifice something in order to get what we need. And what we need is resolve, and we're going to be willing to give it if it's worth it to us. Now, I assure you this, it's going to be worth it to you at some point during this time. I mean, who knows what the next six months hold? I mean, you know, earthquakes all over, all over our country. We see tropical storm just last week. All these things we're going through, you're going to get to a place where having spiritual resolve is going to be worth whatever you have to sacrifice to get it. My wife and I will celebrate 15 years of, of wonderful wedded bliss in just a few days, July the 9th. And I was trying to say, what do I get her? And I told the men in the early service, I'm going to give you a tip. You're fixing to get something good out of this message. If this is all that's it, write it down. Anytime she says she likes something, I, I have a list on my phone. I take the list out. It's on my notes. She knows where it's at, but she can't look at that note. And I write down what she says she wanted. I'm too dumb to figure it out. The one time I tried to guess, I got it horribly wrong, horribly wrong. And um, she was nice about it, and, uh, uh, you know, Band-Aids cure all. But uh, I said, I'm going to start keeping up with what she likes. 
And so I, 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 our anniversary's coming up, and I looked at my list, and I found something she, she said she wanted a long time ago, and it's something kind of old, so I had to go to eBay to get it. And I get on eBay, and I see what she likes, and uh, the, the, the thing says, this is the price or make offer. I thought, well, why not? You know, if you could just save a few bucks here. I'm not cheap, okay? I am, you ask her, I am not cheap. But if I could save money, she likes that even more. Get what she wants and save money? I mean, what a deal, you know? So I please her twice in that respect. And so I made an offer, and the lady says, not good. I'm like, well. And so then we get into this bidding war. I send her another offer. She said, offer not accepted. And I sit back and said, well, what is your lowest price? She says, what's it worth to you? I'm like, ooh, this girl's got some spunk. So Riverdale, California is where she was at. You know, California girl there, spunky. And uh, I said, my final offer. And I gave her the final offer, and it said, offer accepted. And the gift arrived in the mail just the other day. As far as I know, my wife hasn't peeked at it just yet, but here's what I want you to see. I had to decide whether it was worth it or not. I had to decide that what I wanted was worth what it was going to take to get it. And I decided that not only was it worth it, she was worth it. And so I was willing to pay up in order to get it. Now, I want you to know something. Resolve is out there. Spiritual resolve is out there. You don't have to walk through this thing scared to death that the sky is going to fall or the world's going to end tomorrow. You can have spiritual resolve, but understand you've got to be willing to sacrifice what it takes to reach out and get in touch with God. And that's our problem. We don't like sacrificing what we have to get what we need. You know, we read about David, and the Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 24 and verse 24, when David was purchasing the threshing floor of Orana to build the temple, uh, Orana says, I'm going to give that to you, David. I'll be, you're the king, you're going to build the temple, and I'm just going to give that to you. And David says, nay, no. He said, I'm not going to offer to God that which has cost me nothing. David says, if I'm going to offer unto God, it's going to cost me something. And how can we dare wait on God? God, I'm just waiting for some resolve. God, would you give me a spiritual backbone? God, would you make me feel better because the world's going so bad? And yet we're not willing to sacrifice what it takes in order to get it. I'm going to tell you something. You're going to be sitting lonely until he comes back. You got to be willing this morning to sacrifice and to offer unto God what he requires of us that we might attain what he desires that we have. 2 Chronicles 7.14, it's the verse of verses right now, isn't it? My lifetime, I've never seen a time where America needed more healing. Never seen it before like this. And I've talked to people that are older than me, they've never seen it like this before either. And yet at the end of 2 Chronicles 7.14, what does it say? I will heal their land. That means God can. I don't see how you can put this thing back together. And I'm the optimist. You folks that are pessimists, I mean, you're probably, you're, you're probably ready to go right now, you know. I'm the optimist, uh, you know. I don't have water buried in my backyard and ammunition buried and all that kind of stuff. You know, I, I don't know that it's that bad just yet, but listen to me. I don't see how this could be put back together, but God could if God desired so to do, to do so. But wait a minute. God says, I can heal your land, but there's something I require of you. That you humble yourselves and pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways. He says, here's what you need to offer. We offer up a lot of prayers. Nothing wrong with that. That's part of it. But he says, I want you to humble yourself. Oh, we are a prideful people. Oh, we're a prideful people. He says, I want you to humble yourselves and pray and seek my face and then turn from your wicked ways. He's talking to his people. I know. Man, if those just drunks would clean up and those dope addicts would get right, America wouldn't be enough. No, he said, my people. Those are problems that God's people have. God says, this is what I require. This is what I want you to offer. And yet we keep reaching out to God, but we're not willing to offer sacrifice to get the resources of God. Folks, can I tell you, it's worth it right now. But if you don't think it is right now, it's going to come to a point where sooner or later, it's going to be worth whatever it requires to offer and sacrifice unto God to, att to attain what he requires or desires that we have. I read a story this past week about the Titanic. And if the numbers are correct, 11 millionaires went down with the Titanic. 11 millionaires. One of the men who was a millionaire who survived was Major Arthur Godfrey Pucher. Uh, the major had over $300,000 in his safe in his stateroom as the ship began to go down. As he began to realize the ship was sinking and the ship was listing, he went to his stateroom and guess what he brought out of the room with him? Three oranges. Three oranges. 
You see, he got to his stateroom and he realized $300,000 in money or gold or jewels, whatever he had with him, was not going to do him very good in the, the new country he was about to head into, which was the frigid North Atlantic waters. He says, but I'm going to need an orange. And he grabbed three of them. He let the rest of them go. You know what he did? He sacrificed those to get what he was going to need. And I assure you, whether it's your time, your talents, whatever it is this morning that God requires you offer as sacrifice to get the spiritual fortitude and resolve you need, it'd be worth letting it go. Because what you're carrying and holding on to is not going to be worth it in the country that you're about to go into. So real quickly, number one, notice resolve begins with reaching out to God. That's what he stopped to do in Beersheba. Look at verse two. The Bible says, and God spoke unto Israel. I love the fact God's honoring his sacrifice. The Bible says, in the visions of the night, and said, Jacob, Jacob, and he says, here am I, verse three, and he says, I am God, the God of thy father, fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation. Now, notice this. Oh, you got to love this about God. God honored Jacob's sincere search for him. God honored it. Don't you love it where he says, call unto me, he says, I will answer thee. And he saw Jacob sacrificing. He knew what was going on in Jacob's heart. Jacob didn't have to say, God, I'm scared. God could see that. And he looks down in Jacob's offering sacrifice. And God honors that. And notice what God says. God gives him something he's going to need as he moves forward. He's about to give him a grocery list. Number two, notice resolve comes through the reassurances of God. The resolve comes through the reassurances of God. Of God. Now watch closely at the reassurances God gives him. And he said, I am God. Do you know the devil's very good at pointing out to us what our troubles are? I, I haven't watched the news much in the last five days, and boy, it's been wonderful. It has. You ought to turn that stuff off. I told you Wednesday night, it's vexing you and what you see and you hear. Don't dwell in that. Don't dwell there. Nothing wrong with watching the news. Turn it off from time to time. You're going to feel so much better. You may even feel like whistling. <laughs> I did. I turned off the news. and I, Matter of fact, my song came back and I was even nicer to my wife. Why? Turn all that stuff off. But watch this. The Bible says that as they enter into this country, prepared to enter this country, God wanted him to know that in spite of how bad things were, that he was still God. He reassured him. I just love the way he puts it. I am God. Can I tell you, as we stand on the border, leaving behind the country we love. Now, look, I hope it's temporary, but I can't promise you that. I hope it's temporary. I hope we're going to get to go back to the America that we used to know. I hope so, but I can't promise you that. But as we enter into this foreign country that we're about to inherit, we can have resolve because of the reassurances of God. God wants us to know something. He says, I am God. My wife and I, when we, 2014, we moved to Monroe, Louisiana, about an hour and a half from Brother Joshua Shea and his church there, and that's where we got to know them. And uh, We were having a bad day. I had a bad day. I was a bad day working for the garbage company. I was driving the roll-off truck. You know those big dumpsters they have uh, for industrial garbage, and those big, long 16, 20-foot roll-offs? I was driving the truck that delivered those that day. And I was down in uh, South Monroe, Balcomville, Brother Josh. You know where that's at in Balcomville. And, uh, you know, not the, not the greatest of neighborhoods. And so I'm trying to back into this tight driveway. It's a long truck, uh, dually Ford F-350 and a long trailer. I'm trying to back it into there. It's a tight squeeze. I'm a country boy. I can back up a trailer, but it's a tight squeeze. And I messed up by taking driving directions from a man standing there with a 32-ounce beer in his hand. I said, man, this thing's so long, I can't see. There was not a backup camera. I said, can you just let me know when I get close to the ditch where I can keep inching my way over and get back in the driveway? He said, oh, yeah, I'll take care of that. So he's standing there, come on, come on. I said, I just should have knew better, Brother Jim. My parents raised me better than that. Come on, come on. He just waved it on back. In a minute, I feel the whole truck go, mm. it just frames out. The back, listen, the back tires of the trailer went down in the ditch and now the truck is sitting there screaming, trying to get it out of the ditch. And when I tried to get it out of the ditch, I got the front tire stuck in the ditch on the other side of the street. So now I'm blocking a street. Can't get it out. The truck's bottomed out. The trailer's bottomed out. And I'm sitting there. It's so embarrassing. I had to call a wrecker to get me out. It was so embarrassing. 
I get back home, there was some bad news at the church. Something was going on. Somebody was mad about something. I don't know what it was. And my wife was having a bad day too. I didn't care enough about what she was going through. I was so selfish, what I was going through. And I didn't even ask her. And we went back to the bedroom. We just cried. We just cried. I know that sounds wimpy to you. But man, sometimes you just have to have a good cry. Sometimes. Not enough to watch the Hallmark Channel, but sometimes you do. <laughs> I threw that in there. I don't like to cry all the time. I live the Hallmark Channel. I see that. People with cancer and Pope's sick and all. I see that every day. I don't, look, I want to watch something exciting on TV. That's not I want to watch the Hallmark Channel. There's what you get at. My wife and I, before long, we dried up our tears, got back up, went back about building the church God called us to build with resolve. Why? Because we had reassurances of God. I knew God called me there, right? We're having to live in this camper, working for the garbage company, trying to start this church, but I knew God called me there. And because I had reassurances from God, I knew that he had called us there to build that church, and I'd already seen God work, and the reassurances of God gave me a resolve. Now, folks, let me tell you something. You could pick your head up and hold it a little bit higher and have a better attitude through all that we're going through, even though it's a foreign and frightful country, if you just have the reassurances of God. Notice what they are. He says, I am God. This is a very important one. He's telling them, even though the country's changing, the scenery's changing, the people are changing, I'm not changed. I'm still the God of your father. Now, isn't that good? I can look back in my life and see my dad's a pastor. My dad was in the early service this morning. So glad to have them here with us at Central, serving the Lord with my dad again. Kind of weird being your dad's pastor. I'm trying to think about, you know, I want to bring him up on stage and embarrass him one day, Brother Jim, because he used to do that for me all the time. And I just feel like, you know, you reap what you sow. And I was going to help him out with that. But I remember my dad listening to ministry going through tough times, called him to leave his church, to go build the camp that's down there, and how I saw God time and time again supplying what was needed to build that place. You know what it reassured me to have resolve in the ministry when God called me uh, to go to Monroe, Louisiana, remembering the God of my father. I saw what God did for my dad. I remember what God did for my grandmother and my grandfather who were missionaries in Mexico. I saw the God of my father and the God of my grandfather, and he did not fail them in difficult times. And so I had resolve in my service to God in spite of my circumstances because the reassurances that even though everything else changes, God is still God. God hasn't changed at all. And it's good to know in a world where everything seems to be changing. I mean, before long, I could be pulling for Alabama. I mean, it's just that crazy. The world that we're living in, I mean, one thing after another. Brother Morgan, I just lost him right there. He's gone. He just, I can't go with that. I can't stand with that. I mean, everything's upside down, but God hasn't changed. You can have resolve because of the reassurances of God. He's still there, hasn't gone anywhere. That's why we can have boldness and courage. I think about Noah. We went to see the ark there a few uh, years ago. And you need to see that. If, you, if you've never seen that, I want to encourage you, go see that. And you're seeing this, this uh, facsimile, if you will, life-size model of the ark. And you're looking at something that a man really built many years ago. And the faith that it took to build that thing. Man, I told the early service that Noah was in my top ten of heroes. But now he's in my top five. You go see the ark. Noah's going to move up a few levels. Just can't help it. And look at the circumstances that Noah built the ark. I mean, there's eight people got on his boat. I've got more than Noah had this morning. Listen, I've got, I have more in my office this afternoon than Noah got on the whole boat in all the years he preached, and yet he plugged along with resolve. Why? He had reassurances from God. He knew who called him. I remember when I surrendered to preach, I remember my dad, my mom was crying. Oh, she was so excited. And my dad's over here, you're preaching in two weeks. It's good to have balance in your home. And I had balance that way with mom and dad. And dad says, you're preaching in two weeks. He said, we're going to find out if you're God called. Never forget that. I'm sitting in the corner of our living room. We're going to find out if you're God called. He says, because a calling is the only thing that will keep you there. I've never forgot it. A calling. What is that? It's a reassurance from God. I know, I think it's what, the 15th of June or the 17th of June. It'll be 25 years since I surrendered to preach. I want to tell you, I've been through some tough times. Maybe not as bad as some other folks in ministry, but I've had tough times. I've had bad days. But you know what keeps your head up? You know what gives you resolve? The reassurances of God. He says to Jacob, notice, verse 3, I am God. I don't know what the future holds other than the fact that God's going to be there and he's going to be unchanged. He hasn't been quarantined by all of this virus. 
But then keep reading. The Bible says, I am God, the God of thy father. How interesting, he's standing in the place where his father stood. Where Isaac heard from God and where his grandfather heard from God. He says, the God of thy father, fear not to go down into Egypt. For I will there make of thee a great nation. So notice the next reassurance here. He says, first, I am God. And then he assures them that I will work there. Now, it's really interesting. Notice the word there almost seems forcefully put into that sentence. He says, for I will there make of thee a great nation. He could have easily said, for I will make of thee a great nation. But God made it a point to plug in the word there. To let them know, you're leaving what's familiar. You're leaving what you know. You're leaving what you're comfortable with. You're leaving the promised land. And you're going to something that's foreign and frightening. But I want you to know, I can still work there. Isn't that good? For us as God's people, as we go through this difficult time, listen, there's a lot of things that have been hindered because of the craziness in our world, but God has not been hindered. His hand is still not shortened that it cannot save. Therefore, the people of God should have resolve about our service to God. Why? Because God can work in the midst of all this mess too. If he could work in Egypt, then he can work where we're going through right now in our country. Blesses my heart. There are times, there are roads God calls us to go down that I don't want to go down. Sometimes it's a family member. My mom will get sick. Uh, she hasn't been sick, thank the Lord, in a while with the diseases she has. And she'll start to have what they call a flare-up. And we know what's coming. She's going to the hospital. She's going to be in the hospital for a while. And it's going to get rough. And our hearts just break because uh, mom's mom, you know, mama's my mama. And um, I'll be praying. I'll be telling God, I don't want to go down this road. I don't want to go down this road. God, could you just peel us off? Let's go back to healthy mom. That's where I want to go back to, healthy mom. That's, that's what I'm comfortable with. That's what I like. I want to go back there. And God says, no, I'm leading you down this road. I said, but God, this is going to be painful. God, I'm, I'm not going to enjoy this. God, it's not, I'm not going to be comfortable in this. God, I, I don't want to go down this road. But there are times that God calls us and leads us down roads that are uncomfortable, that are frightening, and that are painful. Why? Because he wants to work there. God says, I want to do something there. Last night, I stood at the Benham's home as we went to pray with him over the home going of Brother Arnett. That's a road nobody wants to go down. Say goodbye to their dad. Say, God, I don't want to go down that road. Painful road. God, I I don't want want to go down the healthy dad road. I don't want to go down that road. But there are times in the will of God, he's going to lead us down roads that we don't want to go down, but we have to. Because notice God says, I'm leading you down this road. After I left the, the Benham's house, I went to the, um, the hospice clinic. and stood by the bedside of a former church member from years ago who was about to leave this world. And I stood there by her bedside, and I talked to her daughter, and it appears if the Lord doesn't intervene, that they're fixing to go down a road they don't want to go down and say goodbye to their mom. I shudder at that thought. I've prayed all of my life, God, please take all of us in the rapture. I think you can pray for that. Whether it's God's will or not, that's up to him. And they're about to go down a road I wouldn't want to go down either. But God says, I'm leading you down this road, and there's a reason I'm leading you down this road. I'm going to make something out of you there that I couldn't make out of you there. Now, folks, can I tell you as much as I don't like this new country we're entering into? Oh, I don't like it. I hate the thought of my daughter growing up in this country. As it is, I can't imagine how worse it's going to get. Sometimes God leads us to the end of the pavement. We get on that rough dirt road. Because there's something that he can do through us there that he couldn't do through us in that time of comfort. So notice he says, I am God. That's a reassurance, number one. Number two, reassurance, I will work. And then notice what he says in verse four. I will go down with thee. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You got to be careful. You get charismatic all of a sudden on this one. He says, look, I know your heart is scared. Jacob's heart's quivering. I'm about to go into a country that's not comfortable. It's unknown. It's unfamiliar. I don't want to go down this road. I know Joseph's there, but why was he fearful? He didn't want to go into Egypt. God says, not only will I be who I said I would be, not only will I work there, but he says, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go with you. You know why you should have resolve this morning? Because God has reassured us that no matter how far in the country we're going into, he's going with us. No matter how scary it gets, 
No matter how bad Egypt gets, no matter how bad the news seems to be and the world's about to end and everything's about to collapse, God is with us. I love the word in the name of Christ, Emmanuel. My God loves me enough to go with me. Oh my goodness, I'm not alone in all of this. I've got my wife and my daughter, but what a blessing it is to know that my heavenly father has reassured me he's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. No matter how bad Egypt gets, my father's walking with me all the way. All of a sudden, you start not feeling so sorry for yourself. I know you don't pout. You're good people. I'm getting to know most of you about the past year, and you're most of, most of you are good people. And you don't pout, but boy, I can pout sometimes. I can feel sorry for myself. Woe is me under my juniper tree. I'm all by myself. Everybody's alone. God's like, I got 7,000 over here. <laughs> you know, We don't know what we're talking about. God's got it. God says, I want you to have reassurance that I am God, that I can work in the midst of all of this, and that I'm going through this with all of you. Therefore, you should have resolve in your service to God. Do you remember what God asked of Moses in Exodus 33? He says, you've got to go with us. He said, you've got to go with us. Moses says, I'm not going if you're not going. I want to tell you something. This would be a scary place if we had to go in this new country without God. But we carry him with us. Resolve comes through the reassurance of God. And then finally, look down, if you will, to verse number four. And I want to give you the, the best part. The Bible says, I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will also surely. There's another word he didn't have to say, but he gave us comfort. I will also surely bring thee up again. Would you notice the last and the greatest extent of God's reassurances? He's giving them one more encouragement to remove all doubt. Now, what is God wanting in the message this morning? It's simply this. God wants us to have a resolved heart for the road ahead. That's what God wants. He says, hey, 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 you're my children. Hey, I want you to hold your head up high. Listen, I don't want you to walk around fearful and bitter. I want you to walk around faithful and bold. And you have boldness and you have resolve. Why? Because God gives us reassurances. But look at the final reassurance. Not only is he going to go into Egypt with them, but he says, I will surely bring thee up again. Number three, notice resolve leads to rest in the will of God. Resolve leads to rest in the will of God. While I was studying last night, my wife was already in bed, asleep, but I almost had a little bit of a shouting spell. As I got excited reading this verse, thinking about this, all right, get this, I'm going to be done. It's only 12.02, okay? I just saved you having to look at your watch and get embarrassed, all right? It's 12.02. Full service preacher, I even give you the time, all right? Football starts back, I'll give you the scores, too, during the service. But imagine the peace Jacob had. Imagine the peace. Knowing God is still God. God's going to work on my behalf in Egypt. God's going to go with me, and then God's promised me he's going to bring me out. The final reassurance is that I can have rest in the will of God. Long before Jacob took the first step into Egypt, God already saw the last step out of Egypt. Think about it. Long before Jacob would ever take that first step over into Egypt, God could see the last step that he was going to bring him out. And can I tell you something that ought to give you great reassurance and resolve this morning? That regardless of what happens in the Egypt, the new country we're about to walk into, our Father has promised us, for those that have called upon him for salvation, that one way or the other, we're coming out of this. Whether by the grace of God, he leads us out of this back to America that honors God again as that city and that light up on the hill, or whether the trump of God sounds and we leave all of this behind, I'm not dying in Egypt. There's reassurances that my father's not going to leave me alone. And look, when he checks out of here, I'm going with him. Hey, I can have boldness. I can have resolve. I might even walk with a little bit of swagger. Might talk a little smack, not really, don't boast. But you can have resolve. You can walk around with your head high. You can have hope. You can have peace. Imagine the peace of God telling Jacob, I'm going with you, I'm going to work through you, and I'm going to take you out of here. Imagine the resolve he had. And folks, our God has promised us, for those who have called upon him for salvation, that this world's not our home. We're not going to die in Egypt. He's going to take us to our eternal home. 
He said, I will surely bring thee up again, and Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes, meaning Joseph will be there when you die. There's, I want you to see it real quickly, and I'm going to close. He says, I want you to reach. Reach. Folks, there's resolve. There's peace. There's boldness. There's hope. But you've got to be willing to reach out to God. You reach out to God, he gives you reassurance. And what the reassurance will allow you to do, it allows you to rest. It allows you to rest. All of the, all the questions and all the concerns that Jacob had in his heart, all of a sudden God checked all the boxes. Oh, doesn't it feel good to exhale every once in a while? My wife and I have a busy week, got a busy week this next week, and got a lot of things to do, and I cannot wait till the end of next week where you can go, that's how Jacob was. Why? Because God had given him reassurance. The Bible tells us in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, I want to show you how this works. The Bible says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will what? Give you rest. Now watch close. The Bible says, come unto me. That's you reaching. Come unto me. Sitting around there, I just wish God would give me some rest. I mean, my neighbors, they look a little sketchy, and I'm not sure what's going on down the street over here. And, oh, I don't know what to do. And you're just waiting for God to give you rest. No, no, there's rest, but you've got to reach first. Call unto me. Reach out. Take some time. Set sacrifice what you're doing. Give up what you're doing and offer God what he desires. Give him the opportunity. Reach. But then watch what happens when you reach. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will. You know what that is? reassurance. You reach. Look, I love it. When you reach up to God, you always come back with something. You reach, you come back with reassurance. And what did he say? I will give you rest. Reach, reassurance, rest. You see how that works? That's how I got saved. Romans 10, 13, the Bible says, for whosoever shall call, reach upon the name of the Lord, shall, reassurance, be saved, rest. But we've got to be willing this morning to stop at our Beersheba before we go another step and leave the country behind that we know and love and enter into an unknown, to what's unfamiliar and what's uncomfortable, let's stop and reach out to God. Look, we've got work to do in the midst of Egypt. God wants to work through us in the midst of all of this. But if you're not willing to reach, you're not going to have reassurance and you're not going to find rest. Folks, I hope not. But at this very moment, the country that I know and love, that I'm comfortable with, is behind me. I don't know that we'll ever get back to that place. I don't know that it's going to be there. The country we're entering into is very frightening. It's very uncertain. A lot of unknowns. But God says, don't worry. I'm leading in this. I'm still leading. I'm still God. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to work in the midst of it. And I'm going to take you out. So in the meantime, I want you to be resolved. I want you to be resolved. Hold your head high. Let your light shine. Be that salt. Be that light that he left us here to be. And the Bible says be ready to give an answer of the hope that is in you. You know what hope is? It's resolve. People say, man, why aren't you scared? Why aren't you running around panic? Well, I have hope. Where would you get the hope from? There's a softball right down the middle. Take it over the wall. My resolve is because there was a time in my life I realized I was a sinner and I was lost and on my way to hell. And I was about to enter into a world called hell that I didn't want to go to. And I called out to God and I reached up to him. and He gave me reassurance that I put my faith and trust in him and the work of Christ on the cross for salvation, that he would save my soul. And now guess what I have? I have rest. I have rest. I'm not worried because as the song says, I'm a winner either way. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed this morning.